No my Heidi my and welcome to the Seed Pod, a podcast where we explore the wonders of nature and our connections to the earth. Each episode, we invite guests to share their stories of nature connection and to nerd out with us about everything from whales and Antarctica to biodynamic compost. I'm your host and fellow nature enthusiast Sean Crowley, and I'm excited to dive deep into the natural world with all of you. So sit back, relax, and let's get lost in the beauty of nature. Kia ora koutou. welcome back to the Seed Pod. This is episode 14 and I'm here with Caitlin. Welcome Caitlin. Kia ora, I'm Caitlin Lamb. I'm a compost encourager, an urban farmer and a second year student. Now, I always like to start our episodes with a story of nature connection. Would you like to share a story of yours? Of course. So I have quite a few nature connection stories, but a recent story I have is when I was at Ikigai Urban Farm, which I'll touch on later. There were three piwaka waka, and two were like the normal brownie white colour, and then the other one was a completely black fantail, and they make up a very small percentage of the piwaka waka population in the South Island. So they're very rare. So it was awesome to see the biodiversity in that space, not having spent a lot of time there. Amazing. Now, I'd love to know, how did you get into growing kai? So I was brought up and my parents did grow some kai in the veggie garden, but I more so got into the growing kai space through forest and bird youth doing the waste campaign. So I just started growing like the cuttings of leeks or spring onions and planting them back into the garden. And then I actually got more into food growing from my French teacher who showed me her gun. And I remember sitting in my garden that night thinking I could do the same thing. And so that's when I started growing from seed and leading from there, I got involved in an organisation called Eat New Zealand. And that really inspired me to grow more food because I learned how broken our food system is and that I don't just have to buy food from the supermarket. I can grow it myself and be more connected directly to my food. That's amazing. Now, I would love to hear more about your urban farm called Ikigai Urban Farm. Would you like to share more about that? Yeah. So I think a good place to start is what does Ikigai mean? Because I was very selective with how, what I, how I chose to name the farm. And Ikigai is a Japanese concept, meaning a, re- a reason for being. So that encompasses what you love doing, what you're good at, what you can be paid for and what the world needs. So I started Ikigai so that could be a project to verify that I can make enough money from growing um, vegetables in a market setting for it to be financially sustainable. But I've learned over a period of time that what I need to be doing is to be really efficient and um, I guess have a lot of experience in growing food. So I've changed Ikigai into now it's just 
not for selling Kai, but just for me having experience with a new climate, moving to Christchurch, how I can grow Kai in an efficient way. And it's organically turned into kind of a student teaching garden as well, where students who want to learn can come and I'm happy to teach them kind of thing. So Ikigai is at um, the back of one of the halls of residence at the University of Canterbury. So it's a 30 square metre space, so it's very small. Um, and currently I just have a three metre long bed with garlic growing in it. But over summer I'm going to be growing a lot more food there. Amazing. And it's so cool to hear how that project has developed for you over time organically. Going from this concept of having um, Ikigai as a whole as that concept of um, getting monetary support from growing that kai in a market sense and then growing that into a space for learning and teaching as well, which I think is really important to talk about that projects may not end up the way that things start, but that's really important in the way that we're able to respond to the community needs, respond to our own needs as well, and develop that over time and for that not to be a negative thing at all. So it's awesome to hear what you're doing in that space. Definitely. And I definitely changed it to respond to my own needs. But in the future, I definitely want to have Ikigai as an actual business because I, I'm i very passionate about creating local food systems and this is what we need. But I've found that the time right now is not the right time to develop this project into what I want it to be yet. Yeah, for sure. So you've come from Rotorua last year, which is a very different climate to down south. It's much colder here. So what have some of those challenges been that you've found with growing in that different climate? It's mostly just been learning when to sow the seed because in Christchurch you have a lot shorter growing season. And I've learnt from talking to lots of other growers in this region that you want your winter brassicas to be in the ground in like December mm -hmm. and that is very different to Rotorua where you could have it in in March so just working out when do I sow the seed because also like right now you can't really sow that much because if you do for spring it's going to bolt in Rotorua that would not be the case. Interesting maybe I'll have to learn a few tips <laughs> from you about when to plant <laughs> We um, recently redid our veggie garden um, and planted a few seeds in uh, two weeks ago. So we'll see how that goes. But as most things are, um, when you're learning, it's it's learning in that whole process. So it's figuring out through that experimentation and seeing what works and what doesn't in the different environments and the different types of soil as well and the different mm. climates. And so it's really interesting for me going on this learning journey. I had a small introduction to growing kai through my whānau, but it was typically um, managed by my father who was um, doing the sowing of the seeds or the planting of the plants and then gathering the kai. Um, but now having my own garden and experimenting myself, being able to learn what works and what doesn't has been a really mm. cool process that I've loved having my hands in the ground for. Now I'd love to hear how has working with soil and compost changed your view of food security? It has changed my view quite a lot because obviously before I grew food I had no concept of how abundant nature is and 
also that food security is actually a big issue. And so how my view has changed is that there actually should not be any food insecurity, especially in New Zealand as a developed country. It's very wrong because growing food, you just see how much, like a spinach plant, for example. There's so much spinach that comes off one plant and so many seeds that, yeah, it's crazy to think we have food insecurity, especially if you have healthy soil, then the the crop's going to grow beautifully and healthily. And going through my food growing journey, I learned about food sovereignty. And so from my understanding, that's basically where people have um, access to the food, but also choosing the types of food that they want to eat, specifically culturally appropriate. And that's why I've changed my, how it's changed my view is I didn't have an understanding of food insecurity. And if you do have healthy soil and healthy plants, then there should be enough food for everybody, especially in the food waste sector. Just lots of food goes in the bin that's grown that doesn't actually make it from the food to the plates of people. It doesn't even make it to the supermarket. So I've learned that we have this problem because our whole food system is broken. It's not putting the well-being or the health of people at heart. It's all about commodity and making money which is sad yeah for sure and I guess um something that we hear about a lot is the fact that there is this abundance of food as you say it's being wasted and it's often in the wrong places so those communities that Mm. do need that food aren't able to access that um reliably and easily and so I guess in New Zealand, the way in which we're using our land needs to change massively to ensure mm-hmm. that we are utilising those soils that have the best nutrients for growing, that we're able to um, use that and keep that and protect that for future so that we are putting that food, as you say, at the heart of the way in which we live and the way in which we're um, developing our society, really. Because mm-hmm. if we don't have that resource for that kai then we are stuffing ourselves in the future essentially because we're not going to have access to readily available food yes definitely and i think to touch more on it it's so we have a problem of food insecurity but we also have a problem of what people are eating in general because the people who can't access the food if they have some money to spend on food it's generally spent on the cheap packaged food which is just full of calories not nutrients and so that doesn't fuel our brain and so it's not even just a problem in our food system it's a problem in our mental health system and every system which shows the interconnectedness of every single system so I just wish we could I don't know put funding more into the whole system rather than separate I guess not entities but systems yeah for sure yeah yeah And that's something that's come out in a lot of the guests is that intersectionality of the challenges that we face in the environment and all of our other challenges in society, they're all connected. And as you say, if we were able to fund entireties of those systems holistically, then we would be improving so many different areas, Mm. that social side, that mental and emotional well-being side, the um, health and nutrition of the people 
and also the environment. I think everything is connected in such intricate ways and unfortunately the way that our society has been built doesn't cater to that holistic approach at the moment. Mm, for sure. Now, in terms of the way in which our community gardens have an impact in society, I'd love to hear about the importance of these in our um, neighbourhoods. Yes, so coming to Christchurch, we have a lot of community gardens, like at least one in every suburb. Coming from Rotorua, we might have had two, and they were heavily volunteer-based, so they weren't really thriving so coming here it's really opened my eyes to how important they are and how much we need them in Rotorua. So the question was how important they are. Um, They facilitate a lot of social connection which humans obviously need because we are social creatures and so coming together in a beautiful space where it's very peaceful is very important to people for obviously their mental but also their physical well-being just talking to people and of course learning how to grow your own food so then if you can using that knowledge in your own backyard and I've been to quite a few of the community gardens in Christchurch specifically the one at the university which is epic I've really seen how much they help people there's one community garden here and There's some people that go there who've kind of come, you know, out of like prison, for example. And so having the space to come from that place and integrating back into society, I think it's a very welcoming way in learning how to interact with people, but also, yeah, just learning about other people and other people's lives and what you can learn from them. Because I think people have lots of interesting and great stories to tell and having these spaces are vital for survival and in Rotorua I've seen that people want to learn to grow food and have social connection but there's not a lot of places they can especially the growing food side which is awful and so I really do want to change that. Being outside is obviously very good for you and being surrounded by birds, butterflies, bees, the plants, putting your hands in the soil that is obviously a form of natural natural connection so that does wondrous things to your brain and obviously with the social connection side you're learning as I said to grow food but at some community gardens also how to cook food and at community gardens they're not just about the people or the growing food they they run lots of workshops like on sauerkraut making so fermented foods how to cook food just everything like the basics that you need in life which I find these days lots of people are disconnected from and so that's just another important reason to have these gardens is just how is like how to save money and do the basic things in life that we've forgotten how to do. Yeah for sure and I think it's really interesting when you go into schools these days and the way in which they've changed since I was there and probably even you were there even though it was really recently these schools are moving away from the technology kind of classes that we experience where we get to have home ec or cooking classes and we get to learn how to sew and do all of these skills that are really essential as you say for being able to independently make your own things to fix your own things and to cook 
And these are really important skills that we are unfortunately losing because they're not being provided as um, when you are a young student. And so having these community gardens, which incorporate not only the growing process, but that garden to table approach where you mm. see the whole process from seed right to cooking that and incorporate, incorporating that into a dish and then sharing w- with whānau as well. Now, do you have a favourite part of working and volunteering as part of a community? Yes. Well, I love all of it. Being outside, connecting with nature, away from technology, but I think the most important part is the social connection. I've realised in the last few weeks that I actually love talking to people and learning their journey and just learning from them in general, of what they've experienced, their work, or whatever. And in my volunteering, I've learnt so much, which I have not learnt as part of my lectures at university or in high school. And that's why I think volunteering is super important, because not only are you going to, I guess, have practical experience in something, but you can also interact with different types of people and, of course, learn lots of new things in a different environment. So that would be my favourite part, is just the people. It's incredible. I love that. And with your community gardens on campus as well, what Mm -hmm. I love to see is that it goes beyond the volunteering and the making the compost and the harvesting the crops, but you're also sharing in uh, chai when you're there as well, having beautiful um, tea and conversations, and also um, when you get the chance as well in other community gardens, being able to share in that kai is really important way to uh, create those connections between mm. people with a shared purpose and a shared experience within that food and that meal. Yeah, and on Friday, because that's when we do our working bees, I don't think any of us really did any work. We just sat drinking chai <laughs> like the whole time. But it is also winter, so there's not that much to do. But it was great, you know, during study leave. Yeah, so grounding, and it gives you a sense of purpose as well, which is another important part of the community gardens that can help you find your ikigai. (laughs) I love that. Perfect tie-in. Now, you have a business in helping educate others learn how to compost. Would you like to tell us more about that? Yeah, so my business is called Kai Compost and I started this business last year. Basically, it's a compost consulting business and I offer options to make home composting available to everyone. So the main thing I do is I go to people's houses and I'll assess their compost situation, whether they have no compost bin or they have a compost bin. If they have no compost bin, I will help them find where to put it. That's what one consult I did last year and then basic introduction to how to compost, how to start it, that kind of thing. Um, and then also assessing your compost bin. So people might message me and say, hey, my compost is smelly and I have no idea what to do about it. Can you come over and help me with this? So then I'll come over and I'll basically fix their situation and explain to them why it's done this and how to avoid it next time. So those are the main two options I offer. I also offer compost workshops and growing kai workshops. 
So I'm at very early stages, but I'm definitely going to develop further and I want to get into schools as well and helping with like a compost program in there. I've got lots of ambition, but starting small on that side. Definitely. And while you're really busy as well and you're studying, I think it's good to start with those small steps. And then Mm -hmm. I'm sure as you get more capacity, it will grow naturally, which is really amazing. And I think it's really cool that you're able to provide that service because it's something that a lot of people um, are scared, I think, of getting into composting Mm -hmm. and taking those first steps. And it's nowhere near as hard as people make it out to be. And so having someone that is able to come in and support on the ground, show them how it's done, and then they're able to have those skills and keep them uh, with them and develop their own compost systems, I think that's a really good way of doing it because the more people that we can have on board and involved in composting, the better it will be for our food systems Mm -hmm. and the better it will be for our planet as well. Yeah, and touching on that, we have a food scraps collection in Christchurch and that goes to a big composting plant and obviously that's a good start but I think it's very important to do it at home because then you've got that full circular loop and you're not disengaged with your food scraps of what it's going to turn into so I think even in a city where you can just chuck it in the green bin here I think it's just important to have that knowledge and if you want to grow your own food composting is vital and yeah, I started the business because I have a friend in Auckland who actually does it, compost consulting. She was like, Caitlin, you should do one. So I was like, yeah, I guess I could. So yeah, very awesome. helpful. Yeah, and it's that word of mouth. And again, like having that support system that's able to teach you the skills that you need to be able to provide that to the community as well. Mm. Now, I think it's really interesting you talk about those green bins as well, because A lot of people think that having those green bins, I mean, we're really lucky here to have those. But as you say, it does go to a commercial compost that requires um, certain uh, temperatures. It requires Mm. certain uh, environments, really, to be able to work. And unfortunately, a lot of people um, face the negative consequences of having that in an urban environment Mm -hmm. as well with the... Uh, with a large-scale compost having the smell especially around and so it is something that we have currently however who knows what the future of that compost commercial scale compost is so being able to use your own compost get those nutrients out of the soil and then use it in your own backyard is much better because you're being independent from that system and it helps with that cyclic food growing system as well that you can have as an individual. Yeah, and I've heard that plant is going to have to close down in a few years. And, I mean, the plants are important, but I think they also show the negative side of composting because composting isn't meant to smell. If if it smells, you're doing it wrong. Mm. And so it's giving that negative connotation and people think composting is smelly, which is giving compost compost as a bad rep. And I'll say one more advantage of home composting is people can say, yeah, but I can go buy compost from Living Earth, a plant that makes it. But that's not going to be as high quality if you made it at your own home. You know exactly what's gone into it. You know, there won't be any microplastics in it. So you're going to get higher quality compost at the end of the day. 
That's a really good point as well. And I think you're totally right with that bad rap. It's really sad mm. because, um, yeah, as you say, composting, when it's done right, it shouldn't smell at all. Um, and, yeah, we've been able to make our own compost in our backyard and it smells divine. It smells like the soil after it's rained in a forest, in my opinion. Mm. So, yeah, it definitely it has the bugs, but all of those bugs do the right things. They're there to help decompose the things in that compost and that they all play a great role in that um, that ecosystem as well. So it's really important you have those. Now you recently took part in a conference which was called the Biodynamic Conference and you spoke at that and also attended a workshop as part of that. I'd love to hear from you. Firstly, what is biodynamic composting mm -hmm. and why is it so cool? Sure. So defining biodynamics can be difficult, but basically how I like to define it is it's like the icing on the cake. Biodynamics is basically rooted in the principles of organic growing, such as having healthy soil, not using chemicals and working with the soil ecosystem and biodiversity. So at the basis, that's what biodynamics is, but it's working more with nature and listening to her as an individual farm, let's say. And in biodynamic composting, you have certain preps that you use, and they come from different parts of the cow and also certain plants like yarrow and stinging nettle as two examples. And so making a biodynamic conference Oh, compost. That's what we did on the workshop, actually. And it was my first biodynamic compost I'd made. And it was, it was wonderful. It was very groovy. <laughs> and so it was a, probably a four-meter-long compost and about one meter high, or even a bit higher. Wow. And so it was a hot compost, layering the different browns and greens, mixing it a bit. And then at the end, you have a cow slurry, like the poo. You mix the cow poo in the bucket and you add all those beautiful microbes onto the pile, and you also add in the different preps. And I was talking to one lady there, and she's very into biodynamic composting, and she com she's been comparing the difference between biodynamic composting and non-biodynamic composting, and it's fascinating to see and to hear what she says about it, and she notices in biodynamic composting, it breaks down a lot quicker, it's more crumbly, and it's just of a much higher quality. And so I'm really interested in now is experimenting that with that myself and seeing the difference between using this compost with different plants. But yes, biodynamic composting is epic. <laughs> Amazing. I love to hear about that. I was lucky enough as well to take part in a biodynamic compost creation back in Topor Community Gardens as well. And it was so interesting to learn about those different um, mixtures. The way in which they work with the compost and the nutrients in there kind of exemplifies compost. And as you say, I, I love that, the icing on the cake, because <laughs> composting is amazing, but then seeing the impacts of those mixtures that they're adding in and enhancing that compost pile as a whole, it really does maybe even put the cherry on top. Yes, and also with the preps and the compost, they act as different like parts of the body, like the liver or whatever. I don't know a lot about it, but I find that super cool that 
the compost is like a human being kind of thing, you know? Definitely, and it plays into that holistic approach with mm. everything. Now, I'd love to hear from you your favourite nature fact. Sure, I have lots of fun nature facts, but one that astonished me was that in one teaspoon of healthy soil, there's about one billion living um, living organisms, which is crazy. And within this, I would like to touch on worms because lots of people, well, some people, they don't like worms. Like, ooh, yuck, worms. But they're actually essential for our health. If we didn't have worms, then we couldn't really grow food because they obviously kind of eat the food, well, they eat the bacteria on the food, they break that down, they poop it out, which is really good for the soil, and they also aerate the soil. So if we didn't have worms, we couldn't grow healthy food. So, love worms. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Caitlin, and it's been an absolute blast learning from you all about soil and the amazing properties and nutrients that can come from that as well as all of your amazing projects and programs that you've been involved with. So thank you for all of the mahi that you're involved in and I appreciate learning from you and going to your workshops as well. So if anyone's listening locally in Ōtautahi Christchurch, make sure to look out for the UC Sustain and other workshops that are around composting that likely Caitlin and Jess are involved in in some way. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> Now, if you wish to join our amazing community of listeners, head over to our social media platforms. This is a place where we're able to share sound bites from each episode with our wonderful guests and also share in our own Nature Connection stories. So if you want to, the best way to access this is link in our bio or you can head to Linktree, so that's linktr.ee slash theseedpod underscore nz. Thanks so much.